Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My story is a story of deep disappointment, and I know that, but I also know that Jesus still saves, he still heals, he still restores today. In 1934, there was a young lad who came down with a sickness called encephalitis lethargica. It's a deadly disease that attacks the spinal system and eventually it renders the whole body paralysed. There was no known cure at that time and there still is no known cure or effective treatment. This boy was in a comatose state for many months. He was curled up in a fetal position and he was skin and bones. The young boy's condition deteriorated to a point where the specialist from Melbourne Children's Hospital told his mother that there was no hope. He'd come out of the coma, but the specialist explained to his mother that the cells in his brain were now destroyed. She was given two options, take him to an asylum for children or take him home to die. While she was, or just when she'd put down the phone from the phone call from the hospital, she immediately received a message from the Lord that said, this sickness is not unto death, but unto the glory of God. At that time, she was at the home of a minister who she did housekeeping for, and he came out of his office and he said, an amazing thing has happened to me. The Lord has spoken to me and said, this sickness is not unto death, but unto the glory of God. The mother chose to go to the hospital and take her boy home. And every day, filled with faith and filled with the, the word that she had from the Lord, she fed him a spoonful of milk every day in the name of Jesus. She did that constantly for many months. And over time, in trusting God to open his eyes, to straighten his twisted limbs, to give hearing to his deaf ears, to restore the cells in his brain. Gradually, life returned to that body. And by the age of nine, he was completely healed. He had to start primary school again at nine years of age. Can you imagine that? At 11 years of age, his mother received requests from overseas specialists desiring to examine him. Their interest was there because up until that time, no one had ever completely received healing from encephalitis lethargica. God performed a miraculous healing in this boy's body. The boy later became a minister of the gospel and was used powerfully by God to bring healing, deliverance and salvation to many. That boy was Lynn's father, Stephen Dowling. I tell you the story to underline the fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He still heals, he still delivers, he still saves today. As a family facing the news that Lynn had this terminal cancer, we knew the healing power of God. Her father had experienced it. 
we had faith to believe that God could do it again. But sometimes our prayers are unanswered and we're deeply disappointed. The scripture that came to his mother and the minister that day was from a passage of the scripture in John chapter 11 where Jesus was told that his good friend Lazarus was sick. Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, had sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. In verse 4, we read Jesus' response to the news. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. I'm sure that Lazarus' sisters would have expected Jesus to drop everything and come and pray for him and raise him up from his sickbed. But Jesus delayed his departure for two days and then he headed back to Judea, further delaying his journey to Bethany. Jesus knew what he was doing and what the ultimate outcome would be, but for Mary and Martha, their brother was dying. And Jesus had not answered their pleas for help. He appreciated, he, sorry, he appeared to neither care or understand how serious the situation was. Lazarus's condition worsened and he died before Jesus arrived. Can you imagine how Mary and Martha would have felt? They would have been filled with sorrow. They would have been disappointed, disillusioned. They would have been discouraged feeling abandoned in their time of need. By the time Jesus finally arrived outside the village, Lazarus had already been dead. He'd been in the tomb for four days. By that time, many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them on their loss. Martha went out to meet Jesus, but Mary stayed at home. Martha wanted answers, but Mary was too disappointed to even face him. And she stayed home. This is the same Mary who, on a previous occasion, was found sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. She wouldn't help her sister, who was very upset at that time that Mary was, was doing that. But Jesus was said that what she was doing was a greater thing. But in Mary's disappointment, she couldn't even bring herself to go out on this occasion and meet him. Returning to Martha's meeting with Jesus in verse 21 of John 11, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Martha's faith at that point remained strong and she added, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. After Martha had talked to Jesus, she went back to her sister Mary and told her that Jesus was asking for her. In verse 32 we read, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary repeated the words of disappointment that Martha had expressed. If only Jesus had answered the prayers for help, their brother would not have died. I want to park the story there for a moment and share some more of my story of walking through the period where we were seeking God in faith for Lynn's healing. 
There's times when our faith can be challenged when we're walking through the valley. As I mentioned on that video, immediately following the diagnosis of Lynn's cancer and the prediction that her life would end in three months, I was in a position where my heart was really heavy, but we hung on to the hope that God would intervene and Lynn would be healed. Lynn had heard that word from God that she would not die, that she would live. The following day, a trusted Christian friend of ours came and uh, he gave us a prophetic word that this was a period that we're going through, but there was going to be a greater day that God was going to open up and Lynn's ministry would be even greater than the former. Our faith carried us through those days as we felt the numbness, the shock and despair but hope was firmly in God. He was our foundation and our rock in the midst of the storm. Where could we go but to the Lord? We believed that miracles happen and that God could end this nightmare and replace the death sentence with a gift of healing and life. We believed Lynn's healing would be a testimony to God's miracle work, working power. I might just have a drink for a sec. Many of you may be able to relate to this next little bit, but we sought God every way we knew. We attended a meeting with a healing evangelist and Lynn received prayer. We had the elders pray over her. We had prayer meetings in our house. We had communion daily claiming the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus. We even had a handkerchief that was brought to us that had been prayed over by a minister who had a gift of healing. We had Christians across the world praying and we received encouraging words and reassuring words of Lynn's healing. My faith for Lynn's healing was strengthened by these words. They were a source of faith and peace throughout the journey through that valley. We tried to be as normal as we could, anticipating and believing for a breakthrough. Lynn was diagnosed in mid-February during February and March, we kept working and doing the things that we usually did, seeking answers, praying, exploring alternate remedies. It was quickly apparent, though, that the cancer was taking hold and the pain associated with it continued to increase. We went camping and doing the things that we usually love to do, but there was no respite from the pain. The scriptures that we hung on to during that time were 1 John 5, 14, and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. I had that scripture printed out, laminated. I had it in my car, I had it in the house, I had it at my work, in my office. And I used it as a, a point of strength to build me up in faith. But also Psalm 91, 14 to 16. And Lynn loved this verse and she often asked me to recite it to her, particularly when she was in pain. And I substituted the words for he to she, if you can understand that. So I'll read it with the she, but you get my point. Because she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue her. 
I will protect her, for she acknowledges my name. She will come call on me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honour her. With long life will I satisfy her and show her my salvation. In March, we visited the family in Melbourne who were supportive in their prayers and their love and concern for Lynn. Lynn passionately appealed to the family to focus their lives on God and commit them to him. She had prepared a message about God's love and shared it with all the family at a gathering. At the same time, she played a song by Michael W. Smith entitled, So Great. It talks about the resting in the arms of Jesus and about his goodness and his faithfulness. It described him as so great and the fact that his love endures forever. She faced the greatest challenge that anybody can face in life and expressed her trust in God no matter what the future would hold. She wanted her family to have this confidence as well. While we are in Melbourne, we spoke at Lynn's parents' church in Sunbury sharing that nothing is impossible for God. We spoke about Jesus healing Jairus' daughter. Before he healed her, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. We had faith in God's ability to heal. We believed that God would intervene. In April, her condition deteriorated despite this. Lynn wrote a memo to the staff at the architectural practice where she worked. And I just want to share it with you because it shows you something of her heart. But there's a message for every one of us from this little note. She wrote, Just thought I'd update you on my journey. You are all aware of my diagnosis. Rather nasty. But I want to tell you about how amazing God has been to me. From the first moments after the news, God filled me with incredible peace and strength and he has continued to do so every day. In the first couple of days I was lying awake about 4am in the morning and I heard the words, you will not die, you will live. I realised that it was God speaking to me and when I got up, I found that it was found in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 118, 17. You will not die, instead you will live and declare the great things that God has done. My sister was in South Australia at the time and she received the same words. It's not an easy journey to walk, but when you have Jesus walking every step of the way with you, it makes a huge difference. In the Bible, there's a wonderful verse that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I have found the truth in that over these past few weeks. Every day, God encourages me through Bible verses, prayer, friends, family, and much more. I want you to know that God is a God of love, joy, and peace. And he is so real. In the Bible, there's a great verse that some of you may have heard before. John 3.16 for God so loved the world. Sorry, I'll, that's my King James Version. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That amazing love is available to all of us. Looking forward to getting back to baking morning tea soon. Love, Lynn. That was on the 13th of April. 2012. In the video, I mentioned a conversation that I had with Lynn at the park 
when she told me that she'd arrived at a point where she knew and accepted that her life was nearly over. My memory of that conversation is very vivid. She said that she'd come to a point that she could see that God's word to her, that she would not die but live, did not relate to this life. Her living would be in eternity, in heaven with God, not on this earth. This reality left me speechless. I just couldn't talk. Tears ran down my face as I sat there in silence processing those words. I was in a state of confusion. There were so many words spoken over Lynn that she would not die. I had blocked out any negative voices and I'd held on to the belief that Lynn would be healed. My heart at that moment sank and hope began to drain from me. The outcome was neither what I wanted or believed for. It was hard to accept at that moment. Returning to the story in John 11, we read verse 23 that Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha responded saying, I know he'll rise again in the, resur on, in the resurrection at the last day. Then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is one of the great I am declarations of Jesus. is found in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth and the life. I am the true vine. And here he's saying to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It is through him that we can cross over from death to life. The truth that he was sharing with Martha was that those who believe in him, those who believed in who he was and what he came to do, even though their earthly bodies would die, they would live on in eternity. As John 3.16 puts it, they will have eternal life. Lynn had come to a place where she believed that Jesus was taking her home, that her life was no longer found on this earth, but it was found in Christ beyond the grave. She'd come to see her healing as beyond the earth and had a peace about dying. I struggled with this right to the end, not wanting to let her go. Overcoming disappointment requires God's help. I want to continue, conclude my message this morning by sharing with you the journey through loss and disappointment after Lynn passed. My immediate feeling, as I mentioned before, when Lynn died was like losing my right arm. I was filled with disappointment that God had not healed Lynn's body and restored her to me and my family. Lynn was a big personality and a leader in our family. The impact of her passing was massive for me and my three daughters. They had lost their mother at a time of life when they were having children of their own and would not be able to continue to share that joy with her or be able to receive the support from her that which she would so capably have provided. As a family, we drew closer together. We got together weekly to support each other. My Christian friends stood by me. They prayed for me, encouraged me. They provided practical help and were present with me, not advising me, judging me or telling me what to do, or what not to do, but just being there for me. I've observed that people respond to loss in different ways. 
Some withdraw and isolate themselves at a period of time. Others reach out to those around them and find comfort in the strength of others. I was in the latter group. I'm naturally an introvert, but I went out of my way to socialise with my friends and talk about what was going, what I was going through. I'd even call them around dinner time and ask them, what are you having for dinner? Invariably, that would lead to an invitation. I got a lot of dinners that way. You must, you must know at this point, I didn't know how to cook. I never lost my faith in God, in who He was or what He could do. I was just deeply disappointed. I felt like Martha and Mary did when they individually went out to Jesus and lamented, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. In my case, it was a cry from my heart, Lord, if you'd answered my prayer for healing, my wife would not have died. In times of grief and loss, often people park God by letting their spiritual disciplines decline. During this time, I found it hard to worship, to pray, to get into the Word. In time, I realised that I needed God's help to overcome my feelings of disappointment and to go with what I knew, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, that He is faithful, that His mercies are never ending and His love is unfailing. As I mentioned in the video, it was during the Christmas holiday that I spent many hours alone journaling and coming to a point where I handed my disappointment over to God. This was a breakthrough moment for me, a time when I began to simply trust Him again. He does turn our mourning into dancing, our sorrow into joy. He fills our hearts once again with the joy with the song of praise instead of sadness and replaces our grief with the oil of joy. Ten years on from this point in my life, I am blessed to be married to Mary and to have an enlarged family. In some ways, I feel a bit like Job who suffered great loss, but God gave him twice as much as he had before. Anyone who has lost a spouse or a close, close relative or friend knows that the pain of their loss remains and that time and circumstances never erases that memory. The greater we love, the greater we sorrow. One morning, during the time that Lynn was unwell, I believe that God spoke to me through a song. It's a song that I hadn't heard for 30 years. So it had to be God to reveal it to me. And that song was standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the friend who always cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find him and you'll know him by the nail scars, the nail prints in his hands. As I recall these words during my holiday retreat, I was reminded that even when we cannot see him, he is there. He watches over us with compassion, grace and love. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And even when we're unfaithful, He remains faithful. When Mary went to see Jesus, she was weeping. The Jews who were mourning with her were also weeping. When Jesus saw Mary weeping, He wept also. Then the Jews said, see how He loved Him. Jesus does love us 
He does care and He does understand what we're going through. He paid the ultimate price for our salvation on the cross. The scars in His hands are evidence of the love for us. Through His sacrifice on the cross, we are healed. We are set free. We have everlasting life as we place our trust and belief in Him. As Peter instructed the elders in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety, all of your cares on Him, because He cares for you. I found that the only way to overcome my disappointment was to cast my cares on Him and place my trust in the fact that He cares for me. This morning, I just want to give you the opportunity to come and receive prayer. Our prayer team is ready, available and willing to stand with you this morning. I'd love to pray with you as well. I know many of of you have had disappointments in your life. There's many maybe even praying for healing this morning. God is here, present to heal. He's here, present to restore. He's here, present to meet your need at where you're at. So I invite you to come and allow God to minister to you this morning. We all have a different story. We all have a different walk. But God is able to meet every one of us at our point in need. He cares for you.